where we wake up a little bit later, but still a little bit early to enjoy the rest of your day. I'm Sheldon Laxina. I get to serve as the pastor here. And this is Katie Ann Urbanozo. Good morning, everyone. Married to Pastor Ben and with five wonderful children, as you're going to find out today. Uh, we want to give you a, a heads up on a couple things coming up because Easter is soon to be here. And Easter is a time where we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we celebrate that day specifically, it's normally when we invite people to church. We invite our family and our friends. So just like when we have a party at our house or when, or when we invite people, we clean up our house. Like I'm sure you guys... I mean, you have five children. We try to. Right, with five children. But just give them each an individual thing to do. Like, you wash the dishes, you clean the car, you clean the toilets. You, no? Not with five little kids? Not, not going to happen. No, not happening. Gotcha. So what we do is we have what we call Spruce Up Day, and it's April 1st. It's a Saturday morning. And we as family get God's house prepared for the people that will be here during our Easter services. So we will begin on... Uh, that morning at 7.30. Correct. And we'll go to 12. Yeah, about noon. Ish. And we'll have breakfast at 7.30. We actually start cleaning at about 8. Yeah. And that part is awesome. Yes. That part is amazing. We actually overhaul everything from the chairs you guys are sitting on. We flip each one over and tighten every screw to make sure you guys are good when you guys are sitting down in service. We clean out our nursery. Like, we deep clean everything. Sometimes we paint if there's, you know, little scuffs on the walls and stuff, but it's amazing. And it's so great to see the hearts of everyone who shows up because they're just willing to do everything. Like, I've seen Pastor Sheldon, like, what is it that you do in the sidewalks? Oh, I was like, what I do? But I do everything. I clean the toilets. I change light That's bulbs. That's true, too. I go change, take too. out dust, band-aids on the oh. ground. So if he's willing Come, to do that, I mean. we get. No, but. I think you're talking about pressure washing. Yes, that's what it is. He you know pressure what? washes our sidewalks. I started pressure washing because nobody would bother me. That was the first time I tried. I was like, hey, nobody going to bother me. I can just do this by myself. Then I was like, wait a minute. The whole point to us doing spruce up is so that we get to build relationship also. So we do spend time with people. But we do get the place prepared. Uh, and, and, and you don't have to come up for the entire time. Some people come up just for about an hour or two. And it's just, once again, a good time for us to get to know each other also in a different element. Yes, there's no better time to get to know somebody when you're rubbing elbows and doing stuff. Yeah, cleaning up. That's April 1st. Uh, the second thing is our Seder dinner, which is April 6th. It's a Thursday night, and this is to celebrate Passover. And the neat thing about the Seder dinner is not just learning about Passover and what that's all about, but the food elements are part of this time where it's the same elements that Jesus had when he did Passover. And there are certain things that you'll be eating that correlate with the different events that took place during Passover. So it's, it's, a, it's a great learning time. I'm not sure if you've ever been to a Seder dinner. No, I've never been. But the fact that the food is what Jesus ate, like, that's crazy cool to me. Yes. And, and the learning part of it, that part is phenomenal. So I know it's $10, and it will be from, it says 6 to 8.30. Yeah. And at that time, you, you can also ask questions. Like if something is happening and, or you're thinking of something or something doesn't make sense, you can ask questions. And it is a great time to learn more about who we are in Jesus Christ and our uh, belief in him with the history uh, that connects with the Passover. So that would be a good time. Yes, that's amazing. So hopefully you can join us. Anything else, Katie Ann? Um, if you need more information, we have our information center. We also have our app that you can download on your phone, or you can just come, you know, see any of us. Yeah. Preferably not him. He's busy. Not, no, I'm not. Kidding. Very purposeful. <laughs> but thank you, Katie Ann. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. These kids nowadays need lickings. She actually grew up in our youth ministry, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, last week, we did have 30 people who were water baptized. So we want to say congratulations to the 30 that were baptized. We're going to celebrate and we're going to watch a recap in just a bit, a recap video. And if you were water baptized, you can pick up your baptism certificate at the information center right after service. That's just a way for us to remember that day 
And that day is phenomenal because not only are you publicly letting everyone know that you believe in Jesus, but something significant takes place when you obey God. Obedience is key in anything that we do with God. And even when we give to Him, and we have four ways to give, and we're going to pray over our tithes and offerings, but the, the ways we give to God, whether it's through mail or text messaging or text to give, uh, through our tithe and offering boxes in the back because some people will write a check. Uh, the finances are utilized so that we can continue to bring hope to people in a world that is hopeless. And we're finding out, finding out more and more every day that there are very few things that we really can trust and put our hope into. But when it comes to God, we can absolutely trust Him and put 100% of our hope into. He is always faithful. We celebrated 42 years as a church last week, and we celebrated God's faithfulness. We celebrated His goodness and, and, and the future that we have in Him. So know that when you give, it's more than just what is happening today. We get to invest in the future generations of who God is going to reach because He's using you and I to do so. So we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as we do so. Lord God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for always providing. Thank you for taking good care of us. And we pray over the giving right now that as we do so, you would receive it as our gift to you, as our worship to you, that you would use it so that your kingdom would expand on this earth. Multiply it in the way that only you can. And our heart, Lord, is that as we give to you, that someone would receive you as Lord and Savior. Somehow, however you choose to use it, we trust you in it. And we thank you for all that you're about to do. We pray for Pastor Ben as he brings your word, that will, it will permeate our soul, and that we will learn and grow in you, that as we're discipled by you, we're going to become the people you made us to be. So thank you once again for who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we all say together, Amen. Amen. Let's watch and celebrate the 30 that were baptized last week. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I can take rest because the living God is living in my chest. Every day I wake up feeling blessed. And even if I don't, I see it as a test <laughs> Cause I was lost until you found me Now I know you're all around me So we want to congratulate all those who got water baptized. Awesome time last week. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? We're going to jump right in. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a story that takes place, and it's one of my favorite stories that Jesus actually tells. And um, it's interesting because he's actually sitting with a bunch of tax, uh, tax collectors and sinners, but he's also having an audience of Pharisees who are religious leaders. And I love this story. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke 15. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry about it. You can also follow along in the slides. Uh, if you have your smartphone, you can download our New Hope Church app, which has notes that you can follow along with. But we're going to jump right into it, okay? So in Luke 15, verses 11 to 32, it says, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. Now, the reason why that's so important is because before he tells this story, there's two other stories he shares. He shares the parable of the lost sheep and then the parable of the lost coin. And so he talks about this. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his, so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry 
that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. We are st- your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, You've never given me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have stayed by me. You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost. But now he is found. And you know, that's one of my favorite stories because I think that there's no one in this planet, no one on this earth that says, I don't want to be loved. I'm, I'm honest, I believe that this is it. There's a deep and profound longing in each and every one of us that we want to be loved, right? I mean, don't you want to be loved, right? But when it comes to the, to the love of God, we can sometimes be confused and lose sight, not just of his love, but whom he loves. And it's in this parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, that we see the truths, the truth of God's love, the love of the father, and we discover who is the one that he loves. Now, some of you may not know this, but I have five kids. That is why I look 50, although I'm not even 40 yet. I have five amazing kids. In fact, I'm going to show a picture of them. So this was us yesterday getting ice cream. And so my oldest daughter is Caitlin. Then I have Brianne, Adrian, and then our twins, Leah and Luke. Now, when I look at my five kids, you can keep the picture up there. But when I see my five kids, there's characteristics that I see in, in some of them. So as I show you this picture, I want you to think, who am I talking about? See, there's one that's diligent. There's one that's dramatic. Actually, I'm lying. They're all dramatic. But there's one that's more dramatic than others. There's one that's the Sour Patch Kid, because she's sour and then she's sweet. There's one that likes to wander off. And then, of course, there's one that's Kolohe, or Rascal. So what, who, which kids am I talking about? But you know what's interesting is that all those characteristics I also see when it comes to the parable of the prodigal son. I see that. And what's interesting is when I used to read the, 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 the parable of the prodigal son, I would always, as when I was a younger adult, because I'm still a young adult, I try to tell myself, although my kids argue that I'm not, when I used to be younger, when I would read the parable of the prodigal son, I'd always read it from the son's perspective. But being a dad now of five kids, I start to favor the dad's perspective. And what's so amazing is that in the parable of the prodigal son, there are five truths that we can discover 
when it comes to the love of the Father. And so here's the first thing. The first truth is this, is that there is no sin so great that God can't forgive you. There is no sin so great that God can't forgive you. Now here's the thing. We might not even understand what sin is. We might think, well, sin is just us doing bad stuff, right? Like we don't listen to God, so it's just bad stuff. So it's, it's, okay, it's okay. Well, it's actually more than that. You see, we, when we read the story of the parable, when we read the parable of the prodigal son, we actually see that there's a weight when it comes to sin. See, when it comes to the, par- the prodigal son, his actions, this is what he does. He spends the money that his father gave him. Now, now this is the craziest part. He spends the money his father gave him, and he leaves to go and live a wild and frivolous life. He engages in sinful and foolish activities that eventually leave him broke. But the craziest part is this. That's not where we see the weight of the sin. It actually happens before all of that. See, when the youngest son goes to his father and asks for his share in the inheritance, that's more than just requesting money. There's a level of disrespect and disobedience that takes place. See, back then, for the son to ask for his share of the inheritance while his father is alive is basically translated to the son saying to the father, I wish you were dead. Now, let me tell you, if any of my kids said that to me, I'd be like, you going be? <laughs> right? Like when the son asked for, dad, give me what, give me what I deserve. I would have been, oh, I'm going to give you what you deserve. <laughs> well, lucky for the son. Bless, the son was blessed because the dad wasn't local. But you see, that's when I said that. When I said that, the son is basically telling the the, the the son is basically telling that I wish you were dead. You all felt that, right? Yeah. See, that's the weight of the sin. See, sin leaves the father heartbroken. My youngest child is Luke, and he's our only son. He's also our youngest, and our son Luke he loves to go over to Katie's, who is my wife her grandma's house. We call her Volvo. And so I, I was just reminded during, uh, after first service that, so we were actually at home one day and my son Luke loves to go to Volvo's house. And so we woke up one morning and he was like, dad, I want to go to Volvo house. And I said, no son, because I want to spend time with you today. I want to do stuff with you today. I'm off. We're going to do stuff. And my son's like, I want to go to Volvo house. Now, I don't know what it is about children, but if you know children, when, for some reason, when my kids say no, they don't hear no. They hear, I'm just going to keep asking until you say yes. So I was like, no, Luke, you cannot go. I don't want you going with Volvo. You're going to stay home with daddy and mommy. I want to go Volvo and I want to go Volvo house. No, son, but I want to go Volvo house. And for some reason, when you get to like the fifth no, they, they start to go into from beautiful, cute, to what in the world is going on. And so he, he starts throwing a tantrum. I want to go to Volvo House. And I'm like, I'm like, no, you cannot go to Volvo House. I want you to stay home. I want to go to Volvo House. I'm like, why? Look, you know, love daddy. No. <laughs> There's a calm dad. And so, but, but I'm going to be honest with you. Although my son is three, can I tell you this? It hurt. And I know, I know he didn't know what he's saying. He's just he's more focused on going to Volvo's house. He doesn't understand what I was actually asking him. But as a dad, it hurt. And so I was like, so I actually walked out of the room. And so my wife Katie was, was like, Lukey, come here. So I left, I went to the I went to the dining room, and I can hear Luke, uh, <laughs> I can hear Katie talking to, to Luke. And I'm sitting in my chair and I'm going, oh, my three-year-old son said he don't love me just because I don't let him go to Volvo House. Now, I know some of you had teenagers and young adults and they may have said that to you and, and I'm preparing myself for that moment. But man, it hurt. Then all of a sudden I hear pitter-patter coming down the hallway and I can hear my wife Katie go, Luke, you better tell your dad what I told you to say. <laughs> And so I, I hear, I hear him coming. I was like, 
Daddy. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dad. Now, you might think that I, my heart was softened at the moment, but no. I was like, for what? For what? What you sorry for? He's <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I wa- I'm sorry. I did this. I'm sorry. I threw a tantrum. I was like, and I'm looking at my son with tears in his eyes. And I wanted to. I wanted so bad. He's like, no, I don't care. But I was like, it's okay, son. It's all right. I grab him. I'm like, oh. And I'm holding him. I go, you know, daddy love you. You love daddy. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. And so I started tearing up. I'm like, okay, son, it's okay. I love you too. And he goes, I love you, dad. Can I go Volvo house? <laughs> like, ugh. <sighs> I'm not going to lie. I think I actually let him go Volvo house later on that day. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing, though, man. I, like I said, when, that, when he said no, I get it. He doesn't know what he said, but man, that hurt. It hurt. And just like that, just as the father watches his son leave, our father sees us walk away from him because that's what sin is. And it breaks his heart. You see, the sins that we commit break the heart of the father. But just like the son comes to experience, there's no sin that the father doesn't look past. As heartbroken as the father was, his heart leaps. His heart leaps when he sees the son return towards him. He forgives the sin no matter what the son has done. And so does our father in heaven who forgives us. Isaiah 1.18 says it like this. Come now, let's settle this matter. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. See, the truth is, there's no sin so great that God can't forgive you. The second one is this. There's no situation that God can't move in and through you. There's no situation that God can't move in and through you. Sometimes we will find ourselves in the middle of situations, and whether it's because of our actions or because it's what life has just brought us there, can I tell you this? There's no situation in your life that God is not God. There's no situation that God says, ah, sorry, I can't be God for that situation. No, he's still God. And when the young son finds himself broke and in a broken situation, he starts to look at the dire circumstances that he's found himself in. There's no money, no food, no livelihood. I mean, the, feed, the, the food that he's feeding the pigs look like five-course five meal. I don't know about you, but have you seen pig slop? I don't even, I don't even want to smell it. I don't even entertain the thought of I'm going to eat that. And here's the thing. He could have stayed there. He could have stayed in that situation. He could have said, you know, that's it. That's all I meant. That's it. He could have stayed there. But it's actually in that situation, if you read that, that in Luke 15, that's that situation where he actually comes to his senses and remembers his life with the Father. It's what prompts him to start making the way back home. See, right now, you might find yourself in a situation, but it's not the situation that we should fix our eyes on. Rather, let that situation be a reminder and an opportunity to let God move. I remember one day, um, I, I came to Volvo's house because all the kids were at Volvo's house, and uh, my daughter, Brianne, was sitting down, and it looked like she was doing homework. But I could tell that she, something was bothering her. So I, B, what, what's the matter, B? She's like, like now, if you're wondering who the dramatic one was, this is exactly what happened, and I'm even joking. She's like, I just asked her, what's going on? She's like, I, told, I, I, I had a bad day in school, and I came to the home, I'm like, there are sound effects coming out of your mouth, not words. And so and she was like, I, I had a bad day in school and I can't figure out the homework. And I just, I'm just like, Brian, try that one more time, but in English, please, because I no more subtitles. And so and so finally I understood she's just having a bad, she just had a bad day in school, and then she, you know she was trying to have do her homework, and I get it because I look at her math and I'm going, I don't know that math. 
And so, and so I just remember she was really, she was just really, she's crying and she's just stressed out. And so I told her, you know what, Brianna, let's, let's just pray. Let's just ask the Lord to just come in and give you peace and just help you. And so I just prayed, Lord, would you just bless Brianna? Let her know how much you love her and give her peace and just allow her to, uh, to just remember who she is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I hugged her. I told her, it's okay, Brianna. Um, don't ask daddy to help you with your homework, though, okay? Because I don't know. And so she was fine. She calmed down. A couple days later, though, I come home, and I have a bad day. So I come home and fly my backpack <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the couch, and, and I just sit down. I'm just, and Katie knows I'm irritated. She, she doesn't even come greet me. She's like, I'm, I, I, know she's, I know he's mad. I'm gonna, so I'm sitting down on the couch, and just like, and out of everybody, everybody else, guess who comes and approaches me? Brianne. She's like, hi, Dad. How are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, Brianne, I'm, 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 I'm not okay. I'm, I'm stressed out. This is going on. This is going on. Family members not feeling good. Friends are okay, not doing good. Uh, daddy's just stressed out because of the week and all these things. And I kid you not, she goes, well, Daddy, did you pray? <laughs> and I was like, bro, what you think? I'm a pastor. Of course I can pray. <laughs> She's like, Daddy, can I pray for you? And I was like, sure, baby. And she comes to me, and she actually puts her hand on me, and she goes, Dear Lord, bless my dad. Um, amen. <laughs> and I'm like, and I give her a hug, and, and the whole time I'm thinking to myself, how is my daughter praying over me right now? Like, like, what happened? And then the Lord reminded me, hey, just a couple of days ago, your daughter wasn't doing good. So you prayed over her. She took that situation and learned from it. So when she saw you not having a good day, she prayed for you. And she doesn't need her the prayer to be so eloquent. She just said, bless my dad in Jesus' name, amen. See, she took that situation that she went through and learned from it. And it's the same thing for us. Romans 5, verses 3 to 4 says it like this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us in develop endurance. And endurance develops a strength, strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Listen, the situation you might be in right now might be there for a reason. It might be there to build up your endurance so that you can build up your hope. The truth number three. The third truth is this. You're never too far gone that God doesn't want you. See, the prodigal son was a sinner, ashamed, and broken. And this is where he finds himself. As he, con- as he contemplates returning home, his status has changed. He no longer feels worthy to be called son, but is rather looking to be hired as a servant. He's gone too far to be welcomed back as his father's child. And for some of us, we might feel the same way. We might feel that now, what we've done, who we've become, and how far we've gone has created such a distance between us and our Father. But while there can be some distance among us or between us, there's nothing that stops God from wanting and loving us. I remember this one, uh, this one day, my daughter Adrian, she's our Sour Patch Kid, okay, if you actually take her first three initials of her name, it's Adrian Marie Pilani. And when she was a baby, I told her, oh, you're my baby amp. I was wrong for saying that because she is. <laughs> she's, she's, she has her moments where, man, when she turns it on, it's on. Like, you're trying to find the breaker for shut it down. And so there's one day where, um, and, and, and I know my daughter, especially when she doesn't take a nap, she just goes off. And so there's one day where I told her something. And, and she just was like, um, she was like, no, dad, I don't want to do it. Well, baby, she was actually putting on her glasses because she doesn't like to wear her glasses. I said, baby, you, you got to go put on your glasses. But I don't want to wear my glasses. Baby, you got to put on your glasses because daddy paid for your glasses and they weren't cheap. But daddy, I don't want to wear my glasses. Adrian, go put on your glasses. I don't want to wear my glasses. And again, because she was tired. She went from zero to 5,652,000. And all of a sudden, she just erupts, like, I don't want to, I don't want to go down. Like, Adrian, just wear your glasses. Ah! And she's, like, screaming. I'm like, 
who released this ballistic missile in our car and so or in our house and so and so she's just screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming, and screaming. I'm like Adrian stop and I'm just scolding and now I, have to, now I have to raise my voice because she's going this loud and I have to go this loud because she can't even hear me because she can't even hear herself because she's throwing a tantrum and it was at that moment 50 more white hair grew on my head and in my, in, in my beard so finally she calmed down though finally she calmed down and, I told, and, and she knows I'm upset because I'm just like Katie deal with your daughter <laughs> yeah I got cracks for that too <laughs> but finally after, after Adrian stopped throwing her tantrum I looked at her and said come here now for some reason when you say come here to your child in a way they don't like come by, by you right so I said come here like, come, no, you're doing the exact opposite. Come, come here. So she finally comes to me, and I hug her. I hug her. And I think she, in that moment, she's like, why is daddy hugging me? He's not squeezing me hard. I can still breathe. I told her, baby, I don't like it when you throw tantrums. You, I don't, please don't throw tantrums. And it was at that moment, she, she understood that although I didn't like the attitude I didn't like her throwing a tantrum. I still wanted her. So she hugged me back and I told her, and she actually looked at me. She said, Daddy, do you still love me? I said, yeah, just stop throwing tantrums. See, what's so amazing is that you're never too far gone that God doesn't say, I don't want you anymore. See, I love it where it says in Romans 8, 38, 39, it says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, no matter what you may have done, no matter what tantrums you may have thrown, or no matter what has been done to you, you are wanted. Nothing can separate you from the love of the Father. The fourth truth is this. You're never too lost that God can't find you. You're never too lost that God can't find you. See, as the youngest son makes his way back home, this is it. He's known that he's sinned and he's broken the heart of his father. He's found himself in messy situations because of his actions. And it has distanced him from the father and the life that he once had. And he has wandered away. And although he's making the journey back home, he's still lost. My last, my, my fourth daughter, Leah, she loves going to Target with us. She loves going to, I think all kids like going to Target. But we have a rule when we go to Target, especially for the twins. You ride in the cart. We're not going to let you walk around. Why? Because there's going to be things that you want, you're going you're gonna to make your way and look at stuff and want stuff. And so it was me, Katie, and Leah, and so we put it in the cart, and so we're, we'll go through the, you know, the, the, the first area, right, where it has all the sales stuff, right? All the kids' stuff. Okay, bypass that area. And so we go to the women's clothing, go to the men's clothing. And when we get there, right before the electronics, my daughter Leah goes, Daddy, I want out. And so before, before I let her out, I say, okay, listen, Leah, here's a couple things. I got to give, give you all the terms and conditions before I let you out. And you got to sign, press agree at the end. So I said, number one, you need to listen to Daddy and Mommy. You need to stay ne- next to us, okay? And don't go grab anything because I'm not buying you anything from Target okay. Like she understood anything that came out of my mouth. So I take her out, put her down. We go walking. And I made the mistake because after electronics is what? Toys. And so we get to the toy set. We get past the electrics and the electronics side and Leah sees the toys and she runs in that direction. I'm like, Leah, come back here. It's like, Dad, I want to look. And so she looks and all this. Okay. So I let her look a little bit. I let her and so she goes into another aisle, and Katie's already going past us. She, I know where she's going. So I'm like, baby, we got to go because mommy's, le- mommy's leaving. We got to go. I want to go. I want to do this all stuff. Leah, I'm, so I start walking away from her. Leah, we got to go. Mommy's, mommy's leaving. So I actually walk out of the aisle, and I go into the next aisle. I say, bye, Leah. And I can hear her. I'm in the next aisle, and I can hear her. And she's looking at herself because she didn't even hear me. She didn't even see me go. And then she does realize I'm not in the same aisle. Because all of a sudden, as I'm standing in the aisle next to her, I can hear the, Dad? 
Addie. And then I can hear the pitter-patter of her feet because now she's freaking out. Where did my dad go? What was he saying? Did he say bye? And so she runs. I can hear her running out of the aisle. And so I make myself stand at the, the opening of the next aisle. And as she cur- turns a curb, the, she makes a turn. I go, boo! And she falls down. And she's, ah! <laughs> so I'm looking at her. My daughter's on the ground. I'm standing here. Look, you should have listened. I hear somebody go, hey, hi, Pastor Ben. I'm like, how's it going? <laughs> this is all normal. Just saying. <laughs> and so I pick her up. And I hug her. And I told her, what, you thought daddy left? I did leave. Well, you got scared. Now, here's the funny thing. I don't know if she understood any of that. But I know she understood two simple things. She understood when she was all alone. She also understood when daddy found her. When she was in my hands. You're never too lost to not be found by God. I want you to imagine this, what takes place in, this, in that parable. I want you to imagine the son, as he's, what he's experiencing as he's making his way home. I mean, here he is. He went out to do his own thing, and now he's coming home, not as a son, but as a hired servant. He's not only lost his way, but he's also lost himself. But he sees something as he is still far off. And as he looks at it, he's like, there's a guy making his way towards me. And he looks like he's running. Wait a minute. Is that my dad? Like, my dad, what, what is going on? And the father is running towards his son. To the point where the father catches up and grabs him and just embraces him and hugs him and just lets him know that, yes, son, you were once lost, but now you're found. Luke 15, verses 46. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he, leave, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. See, whoever who was once lost is found in the love of the Father. Now here's one thing I want to make very clear. We went through four truths. And these, these four truths are evident of God's love in the youngest son. But there's one more character in this story that we haven't talked about. And it's in this character that we find the last truth. It's that you as a person, not your performance, matters to God. You see, the truth is that while the youngest son reveals that we don't deserve the love of the father, the oldest son actually shows us that we can't earn it. We can't earn it. We cannot earn the love of the Father. Why? Because the Father loves his children simply because he loves them. We live in a society that is very much performance-based, performance-driven. But when we look at the Father, he looks beyond our performance and looks at us, his people, because we're his children. Just this past week, uh, Caitlin told me that uh, she was, she was going to be part of a talent show. And I was super excited. I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going to sing with my friends. And so we went uh, to the school on Thursday, and, and I'm sitting down. And I'm going to be honest, as, as her dad and as someone who, you know, loves music and knows a lot about sound and music, I was a little nervous. I was like, oh, man, I hope she, I hope she, I'm thinking myself, I hope she sings it well. I hope she sings clear. I hope there's, I know, I hope, I hope the sound system is good. And I'm thinking all these thoughts. And then all of a sudden I hear the, the, the kid MC say, and now our act is so and so, so and so, and Caitlin Isabella. And so they, they come up on the stage and I see them setting up and I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I don't even know the song they're singing. Like, I don't even know what song they're singing. I'm, the, I'm super nervous. And all of a sudden they start singing. And as soon as they start singing, I look and I go, everything else fades away and all I see is my daughter. I could care less what it sounds like. I'm just like, that's my daughter. Like, that's my daughter. That's my baby girl. And in my head, I'm going, I'm just so proud that you're doing this, that you wanted to do this, you're doing it, and you're having fun. Because that's my daughter. That's my daughter. So after they did the song, we walked out and and I, I found her. I told her, come, come, come. And she, she came and I gave her a big hug. 
And it was funny because I think at a, for a moment she was almost expecting me to say, babe, how can you never sing like this? Da, 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 da. I didn't even give her time to. I just held her. And I told her, I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. Whether she sang good or not, it didn't matter. All that mattered was that was my daughter. See, God is more concerned about who we are to him rather than what we do for him. He wants us to have a genuine relationship with him. It's not about just coming to church and reading the Bible. It's about who you, it's about who you are and who we are becoming that matters to him. Colossians 3, 12 to 14, it says, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Can I pause right there? Because maybe you've never heard this in your entire life, but you were chosen by God. To be who? To be holy and dearly loved. And then it continues, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. There was one night that the kids were getting ready for bed, and so I'm sitting in their bedroom, and... My daughter, Adrian, looks at me and she, said, and she says, Daddy, do you love me? And I wanted to tell her, no. Because you, your bed is all messy. But of course I said, no, I love you. I looked at my daughter, Adrian, and said, of course Daddy loves you. I love you. And then she goes, okay, but what about Brianne? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I love Brianne. Well, we know that you love Luki, so what about Leah? Of course I love Leah. And yes, I love Luke. And Caitlin's in the room. She's waiting for me to say her name. I'm just like, what's up, Caitlin? You good? <laughs> and I look at Caitlin and go, Caitlin, you know Daddy loves you. I love each and every one of you. Doesn't matter if you're the, 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 the diligent one or the Sour Patch Kid, the Kolohe one. I love all of you. And in the same way, that's the love that God has for you and I. See, those are five truths, but if there's anything I pray that you would take away from this morning is this. It's a part where you fill in, I am the one God loves. You. You. Each and every one of us. Doesn't matter where we've gone, what we've done. All that matters that the Father runs to you and I because he loves us. We're, the worship team is going to come up and we're going to do this song and, and I, want to, I want to say this to you. Don't just take, I, want, I don't want you to just take this as a song to listen to or hear. But if you feel it in your heart that God is really speaking this to you, would you respond? You can stand. You can sing. You might not even know the words and that's perfectly fine. But this morning we're going to declare we're going to step into who he says we are and declare that we are the ones that God loves. Amen.
they say that you can't love them, that you can't want them, that you can't forgive them, that you can't reach them. There may be some that think, I've done all these things, good or bad. All that matters, Lord, is that you say we are the ones that you love. And if you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. As I say this prayer, you just repeat it after me, but you're saying it with all your heart. Lord Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again to give me eternal life, to forgive me of my sins because you love me unconditionally. So help me to turn back to you, to turn back to the Father, just as the Father has run to us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do and for who you are. In your name I pray. And Lord, our prayer is this also, Lord, that your truth would go out there, Lord. As we leave here today, we would share your truth that you love each and every one of us. That when people ask, who are the ones that God loves? It's us. So Lord, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen, amen. If you receive Jesus Christ for the first time, tell somebody. We have our yes table located in the fellowship hall. But as you leave here today, leave here knowing you are the one that God loves. We'll see you guys next time. Aloha.